If you would, take it and let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Now, if you were a part of the Easter play, or if you were here and, and saw the Easter, Easter play, um, you, will, you will remember, not that long ago, you'll remember, I played a character in that Easter play, and many of you have came to me after that, asking me about that, um, and asking me to borrow some money because I played the rich man. I really don't have any, okay? Um, I... I'm, I'm, look, I'm empty, all right? I ain't got nothing. Uh, but, but anyway, we are going to talk about this morning uh, uh, some riches from God, okay? Uh, something that Paul mentions here that I want us to take a look at. So while I really can't help you, I'm going to try to help you in a different way, all right? Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, uh, verse number 4, our Bible says this. Paul here is course, we're writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for being a merciful, gracious, loving God. Lord, our Creator God that took the time to form us of the dust of the, the, dust of the earth and breathe into our nostrils the breath of life and, Lord, take care of us and, and want the best for us. Lord, we praise your name. Lift you up, dear Lord, for your greatness, for your goodness. Lord, I pray that we, as we look into your word, dear Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that everything that is said this morning would come from you in your throne room, nothing more, nothing less. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless your word, bless Faith Baptist Church, keep Satan and his demons away here, and Lord, bless all of the ministries. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So I want to talk to you this morning, I want us to look at, from this text, every Christian is enriched. Every Christian is enriched. What, I, what was, came to my attention after reading this years ago, and God has had it on my mind the past couple of weeks, is there in verse the, the, the beginning, first half of verse number 5, that in everything ye are enriched by Him. I want us to take a look at that this morning, but I want us to think about some things. I, listen, I work with teenagers, so before I get into that, I have to kind of engage the brain a little bit, all right? Kind of wake it up, jar it a little bit, get it working. So let me just kind of go with that. I want you to think about maybe the most valuable thing or things in your life. What are they? How did you get it, or how did you get them? We tend to think, it's just human flesh, we tend to think, that we are in control of what we have. That's just, that's just our makeup. It's, it's part of this, the, the curse of this flesh that we live in. We tend to think we're in control and that all that goes on in our life, I've got it. But have you ever had a day that didn't go according to plan? <laughs> Some of you said, yeah, every day doesn't go according to plan. Um, and I, I can say amen to that. I got five kids. Nothing goes according to plan. 
You know, you wake up and you're just like, I just, I just want to make it through. Just, Lord, help me to get to the end, all right? Uh, there, there's always going to be something to come up, and it's not going to go according to my plan. But, I, but it is going to go according to God's plan. Once we, once we realize that, it, it, makes things, it makes things through our life each day just seem a little bit better. A little bit, and it's a whole lot better. There's more confidence, and it's because that it's not going to go according to my plan. But I do know this, and I can, and I can have confidence in the fact that it is going to be in my God's plan, and He is going to be in control. So while there are valuable things in my life, I don't have control over them. I, and I may think that I got them, but really it was God giving them to me. And I may have had to work for it, but it was still God blessing me with being able to get it and work for it. It did not come from me. I was reminded of this, and, and, and me and my wife, we, we love this verse, Psalms 1830. Um, Psalms 1830 says this, As for God, His way is perfect. We love the first part of that verse. As for God, His way is perfect. My way is a mess. My way is full of mistakes. My way has got some, some problems and some errors in it. But His way is perfect. For the Word of God is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. I just got to trust in Him. I've been tried, but I trust in Him. And His way is perfect no matter what. It's going to be good. So... If we think about this and you're still thinking of what's valuable in your life, I want us to look here at a couple aspects of 1 Corinthians 1 5. All right? First off, Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in everything. In everything. Now, this is key, in all of it. In the good days and the bad days and when things are going smooth and when things just seem to be out of control, God is there. God is in it all. God, He desires to work in all things. He desires to work through all things. And that is for my benefit and for your benefit. He wants to, to show us more and more of Himself in everything. God is going to work. God is going to enrich our lives. God is going to bless. God is doing something. You say, how can that be? How can God be working in, in, in the bad things, in the mistakes, in the messes of my life? Let me give an example. Actually, I'll give you a few. Israel, entire nation left Egypt, right? And they follow along. And, and we've talked about this before. But they, they walk along and they end up coming up to the Red Sea. And it's a body of water. And to the other, one side of the fortified city, the other side of the high mountain. And now behind them, as they get to this spot, is now the Egyptian army. So where are they going to go? Nowhere. they trapped. There is no way out. They're in a mess. And they start crying out, now it's a bad day. Y'all understand that? It, it's now a bad day. We just left Egypt. We just got out of slavery. Now we're trapped. They're going to come and get us. And we're going back to slavery. But God said, wait a minute. Hold on and see the salvation of the Lord. 
And Moses came out there, and he took his rod, and he went like this. And what happened after that? That water parted. Have any of you ever seen that happen? We got, we got lots of fishermen here, and, and again, I'm no good at it. Apparently, when, when fish see me, they're running out of the, or swimming out of the way, because I can't catch nothing. All right? But y'all, there's a lot of good fishermen. Have y'all ever seen the water just part like that? That don't normally happen, does it? Why'd it happen that day? Because of God. Because he said, look, I'm going to show Israel something. I'm going to enrich their lives, and I'm going to make them a way of escape when there is no way to escape. They were trapped. That was a bad day, but God made a way for them to get out. I want you to think about something else. Think about, think about the life of Joseph for just a moment. Man, that poor fellow. His bro- brothers betrayed him, sold him. He, he travels along, gets sold again. Ends up kind of getting a little way there at Potiphar's house, but falsely accused, ends up in prison. What did he do? He had some dreams, and God told him that he was going to uh, be, be uh, his family was going to bow down to him. Well, I mean, it's a dream. What's the harm in that? But now everybody's all against him. He ends up in prison for something he didn't even do. God, this is a bad day. What, what's going on here? To end up being a second in command of all of Egypt. How does that happen? How do you go from prison to being a, a ruler? God. Think about another one. Gideon. A man full of doubts. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay this fleece out here, and you put the dew on the fleece and the ground dry. God did that. I, I'm not so sure, God. I mean, how does that happen? First of all, there ain't no way to explain that except God. God, I'm not so sure. Let's try it the other way. Make the fleece dry and the ground wet. Okay, God did that. God, I'm still not so sure. Can, can we have another sign? How many do you need, Gideon? I mean, that's clearly, that's clearly God. For him to have doubts, but then Gideon takes 300 men and defeat an army. How does that happen? See, God is enriching their lives. One more. i got to give one more. Okay, y'all just bear with me. Samson. Now, he made a mess. He messed up, made a mistake big time, right? He told, he, he told Delilah of the secret to his strength. And they end up cutting his hair. Now he's in a mess. He ain't got his strength. He ain't got nothing. Yet in the end, God gave him one more burst of strength to push the columns out and the temple fall. And the Bible says, if you look in the story in Judges, that in his death, he killed more Philistines than he did when he was alive. Whoa, wait a minute. You mean after his mistake, after he messed up, after he did all that, and then God blessed him to have more of the enemy killed in his death, after his mistake than when he was obeying God and alive? You mean God actually did that? Yes, God does that because God wants to enrich our lives even when we are sinful and mess up. In everything, everything, the good, the bad, the smooth, the out of control, the, the times when we're obeying Him, the times when we mess up, God still wants to enrich our lives. He still 
He still wants to do this. You know, the, the psalmist said, psalmist said this, Lord, lead me to the plain path. Lord, guide me with your eye. Lord, instruct me. Lord, teach me. You read these things throughout the Psalms, and this is the heart that we should have. But even when we mess up, God still is going to enrich our lives. He wants to work in everything. You think of the verse in Romans, Romans 8, 28. Paul says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. You know what the meaning of that word all is? It's all. Everything. In all, we know that all things work together for good. Which means in everything. If we were to put it another way, in everything, God is wanting to enrich your life. He's wanting to bring good out of a bad situation. You've had a bad situation this week? Probably we'd all raise your hands. God wants to bring good out of that. Why? Why would he do that? That's just God. That's God showing his love for us. And that while we're yet sinners, he sent us on Jesus to die for us. That is just God. And knowing that right there, you think about this. Talk about Joseph. His brothers sold him to slavery. They wanted to get rid of him. They were like, we do not like him. He's, he's daddy's favorite. We don't like him. He needs to be gone so that we can have a good relationship with our dad. They got rid of him. Years upon years later, when they were hungry, who fed them? This is Joseph. And after they got reacquainted, Joseph says, listen, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Whew. The brothers meant it for evil. They wanted to get rid of him. He was sold. Sold again. Put in prison. And through all that, his brothers meant it all for evil. They wanted to get rid of him. We don't want you anymore. But God said, look, I'm allowing this to happen. Because in the end, you're going to be the one that feeds them. You're going to be the one to take care of them. You're going to give them a home when they don't have a home. You're going to give them food when they don't have any food. You're going to take care of them. Yeah, you, brothers, you may mean this for evil, but i got a good plan in mind. In everything, that bad day you have, it's bad. And in the moment we think, what is going on? How did this happen? Maybe even why is this happening to me? But just hang on. Because God's going to use that situation to enrich you in some way. Just hang on. Joseph didn't like being sold, no doubt. Didn't like being in prison. He didn't like being falsely accused. But he held on to the promise of God. And eventually it came out and God enriched him his life in a way that he couldn't even imagine. And that's just God. In everything, God wants to enrich our lives. I want you to see something else in verse number 5 here. That in everything, ye are enriched. You know what that means? You. You 
are enriched. You think, me? Me? How can I be enriched? Do you know all that I've done? Are you sure? I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to barely skim by here. I'm trying to make it through. Are you sure God's going to enrich me after what I've done? Yes, He is. Yes, He is, because God forgives and He forgets. I want you to think about some of the heroes we have in our Bible. Moses killed a man. As he was leading Israel out, he was disobedient. He done the exact opposite thing of what God told him not to do. Yet, he led Israel out of Egypt. He was on top of the mountain when God gave Israel the Ten Commandments and the law. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. You say, Moses, man, you're, you're pretty bad. What you did was wrong. But God still used him and enriched his life in that way. David killed a man and had adultery, yet he was the king of Israel. Wrote many of the psalms that we have. Think about this one. Peter denied Jesus three times. After Jesus had taught him so much and did so much, and he was a leader among the disciples, and he was with Jesus for so long, yet he denied him. Yeah, think about Peter preaching the day of Pentecost. Thousands were saved. He started churches, led many to the Lord, wrote two letters in our Bible. Think about the Apostle Paul. Persecuted and killed Christians for simply believing in Jesus. Yet he went on four missionary journeys, led many to be saved, started churches, wrote what is it, 13 letters in our Bible, one of them which we're looking at this morning? The point of all that, and listen, y'all know all this, but I just want to make the point of it that even in all of this that they messed up with, that they did wrong, God still enriched their lives, and they did some amazing things for God. So we sit here, and God wants to enrich us, and He says, look, in everything you are enriched. We sit here and say, I can't do that. Think about what I've done. God's not going to bless me with that because of what I've done back here. Wait a minute. God's forgotten all that. Let's keep moving this way. That's what Moses, Dave, Peter, Paul, many more have done. They said, look, I, yeah, I messed up, but that's then. Let me see what I can do here. Let me see what I can do now. Let me see what I can do in the future. Don't get stuck on what has happened. Let's focus in on what can be done. Listen, if Paul would have been stuck on the fact that he persecuted so many Christians, do you think he would have wrote 13 books of the Bible? Do you think he would have went on four missionary journeys? No, he wasn't stuck there. He, he didn't say, well, yeah, God, but look at all that I've done. Look at, I mean, look at all the mess I've made. God said, no, I'm going I'm to I'm take that mess and I'm going to make it great. You've now got a story and a testimony where, yes, you used to be that, but on that Damascus road, you saw me and it changed things. And now you're, you're preaching. Souls are getting saved. You're writing letters and it's going to impact the world thousands of years later. 
Imagine what God can do if we will forget what has happened and let God enrich our lives right now. You are enriched. Accept it. You ever tried to help somebody that won't help? Hey, it happens, don't it? Hey, let me help with that. No, no, I got it. I got it. But, but I can see. No, no, I got it. Okay. Fine then. That, that's us with God. God says, look here. I've got all these things that will make life so much better. No, God, I got this. I got, I'm control of it all. I got it. God said, but look, I've got all these things that make your life so much better, that enrich your life. Look, look at it. No, no, I've got it. Why do we treat God like that? He wants to enrich our lives, but we can't stop it. See, we as, as human beings are a selfish creation because we tend to only focus on us right here. I've got, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got everything just the way it's supposed to be. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I got this. And what God is trying to do for us, we keep telling him no and push it away while we're fixing ourselves all up. We've got to flip that around. Let me put myself away. And God, you come in here and you, you do what you want to do. I'll just, let me back up. And God, you come here and, and, and you do what you want to do. You do what you know is best. Lord, you, you bring that, that riches over here and you just do it. Let me step back. Let me put myself away. Let me step aside. And God, you, you take control. Let me just get out of the way. You are enriched. These riches, by the way, I didn't tell you the, 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 the meaning of the word enrich, but it is to make rich, to make wealthy. But more so the, the, the definition comes from a spiritual riches, spiritual wealth. So these riches that he is giving us are for the kingdom of God. So think about this for a minute. Do you have a spiritual gift? You've been enriched. Are you using it for God? Do you have a talent? Something you're really good at. You have been enriched by God. Are you using it for Him? Is there an ability? Kind of the same thing. Are you using it for Him? Have you been blessed in any way? If you have, you are enriched. Are you using that for God? Just so we know, just so, so we're clear, God blessed you with those things to be used for Him. We are enriched so that we can use those things for Him. Why don't we? Because we like it all about us. Look at what I can do. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Look at this that, that, that I can do really well. We like to make it about us. When it's all about God. 
So something else I want you to see here. In everything, we are enriched. You specifically are enriched. And then notice this, by Him. By Him. These riches, they come from God. It don't come from anywhere else. It didn't come from your parents, your grandparents. It didn't come from a, 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 a trainer giving you an ability. It didn't come. It came from God. This enrichment came from God. James, I want you to see this. James 1.5. Look at what James says here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Here he's specifically talking about wisdom, but I believe it's, it's, it's just all things. That's just God. He, if you need something, ask him. He giveth liberally, which means he is going to freely, openly give you more than you can handle. I like to picture it this way. Y'all have heard me say this before, but it's time to bring it up again. I picture God next to his throne. He got a big bucket of blessings. All right, it's just how I picture things. A big, maybe he's even a bear, a big bear of blessings. And he said, look, I, I want to give, I, I want to pour this out. I, I want to pour this out on Pastor Dale, so I'm just going to pour some out. But the thing is, his barrel never gets empty. So he can just keep on pouring, keep on pouring, and it's never going to run dry. Kind of like the feeding of the 5,000. Just keeps on pouring. I'm, I'm going I'm to give some out. I'm going I'm to pour some, some enrichment on, on Brother Gary there. I'm going to pour it. I'm going to let him have it. I'm gonna, he, he's got some. I'm going to keep on giving. That's just, he giveth. He giveth liberally. He gives us these, these riches. What are we doing with them? They come from him. This enrichment is by him. But here's, here's the sad part. We can stop it. We can quench it, as the Bible term is. And we can keep from getting these, these riches. He wants to enrich you and me in everything. And it all comes from Him. You having a bad day? God wants to enrich you. You having a good day? God wants to enrich you. Are you stressed? God wants to enrich you. Are you busy? God wants to enrich you. Whatever, however your day is going, I want you to think of it this way. Whatever is happening that day, no matter what it is, God wants to use that day to enrich your life. So let Him. And here's what you have to do. Step back. And let God take control in everything God wants to enrich our lives. We miss it because we're too focused on us. If we could just get in mind to put ourselves away, let Him enrich our lives. Now, two things here at the end of this verse that Paul mentions specifically that God has enriched every Christian with. He says, in all utterance. And this specifically speaks of in speech or word, in all utterance, in everything. So God is going to enrich the things that you say for His honor and glory. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. You ever had trouble finding the words to say? 
God wants to enrich your speech so you know what to say. Ever had trouble? Maybe what to say next, or maybe you're trying to share. And, and, and here's what this has more to do with, okay? is When you're sharing the gospel with somebody, he's going to enrich your life with the exact same, with the exact words to say. If you've ever talked to a person about Jesus, you, you'll know this. Because every person is different, how you talk to them about Jesus is going to be different. So there is no absolute plan of talking to somebody about Jesus and every people, every person gets it the same way. It's going to be different with every person you've talked. I, I've learned this. So how in the world do you, uh, how do we set out to tell people about Jesus if Jesus is everyone is different and it takes a different approach and different plan and different words because God enriches us with the things to say that that person needs to hear. No person I've talked to has ever been the same. The conversation starts a different way. It goes a different direction. We end up talking about something different and, and even use different examples and different verses with different people. How does that work? It's because God is enriching my speech, the words I'm saying. I don't know. And there's been times where uh, uh, I'm even not, uh, a verse just pops into my head. Y'all ever had that happen? How did I, uh, who popped that into my head. It was God because he is enriching my, my thoughts and my speech to help that person see Jesus. So God is in it all. He is going to specifically enrich my speech and the words that I say so that others will see him in my life. Whew. Do you have some, a friend or family member that's lost and needs Jesus. Let God enrich your life and let him show that enrichment through you and it'll just naturally come out. When, when, when we put ourselves aside and we let God enrich us and we let that enrichment show forth and show out, you know what's going to happen? They're going to come to you and ask you, what's different about you? You've had a bad day, but it seems like you got something good out of this bad day. How'd that happen? And then your words are, well, let me tell you, Jesus just enriched my life. Something else he says, and in all knowledge. Verse 5, the very end, in all knowledge. So, in everything that goes on in life, you are enriched by God. But he is specifically going to enrich you. Here's, this is like the basic ones. You're a Christian, you get these, all right? You get the utterance and you get knowledge. Knowledge here is speaking of a deeper or enlarged knowing of Jesus. You want to know, about, you want to know more about Jesus? Let God teach you. He said he'd give it to you. He said he'd enrich your life with knowledge of him. So what does that mean? That means I've got to just sit here, read my Bible, and let him enrich my life. I don't have to, I don't have to go search and go dig deep, but he's just going to show it to me. I've just got to be here ready to receive it. And in all knowledge, he is just going to... You begin to read this word, and things just start, start coming together. He just starts showing you more and more things. 
you read the same passage. And this, I can say this from experience. You'll read the same passage one, two dozen times. And every time you read it, God shows you something new. You know what he's doing? He's enriching your life in all knowledge by showing you something different every time you open the book. That's what God's doing. He's doing exactly what he said he would do. He's going to enrich your life in all knowledge. So what do we do? Keep opening the book. Don't close it. Keep opening it. And in all, he's going to give you all knowledge. He's going to keep giving you more and more stuff. He's going to show you more and more things. So here, we've seen verse number 5. That in everything, in all things, you are enriched by Him. The basic, and, and listen, the basic, basic ones are speech and just digging deep in, into the knowledge of God, but there will be a whole lot more because He did say in everything. So there's more stuff. The utterance of knowledge is the basics. Those you get upon salvation. The everything comes with a life of following Him, putting yourself aside and let Him enrich you. So let's look at some more of the, the verses surrounding here to see what else we have that will enrich our lives. Look at verse number 4. The second half of verse number 4, he says, For the grace of God which is given you. <laughs> I'm enriched by God giving me His grace. I don't, need, I don't deserve that. I need it. I don't deserve it. But He's going to give it to me anyway. You need the grace of God? We all need the grace of God, amen? He will give it to me. Again, just by way of, of, of making this clear, what do I have to do to get it? Stepping back and letting Him have control. Allowing Him to enrich my life. And He will give me His grace. More of His grace. I've already got a, a, a truckload, but he'll give, me, he'll give me more. He will give me His grace. We already looked at verse 5, so let's look at verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. This word confirmed means established. So the testimony of Jesus Christ is established where? In you. What does that mean? It means you're saved. It means you have a testimony of Jesus taking you from burning forever in hell to a mansion of a home in heaven. That's a testimony of Jesus establishing himself in you and in me. That's riches right there in and of itself of just having a home in heaven. But he has enriched me by a testimony of always being with me, always working in me, always working through me. He's enriched our lives. Bring us to salvation and then continuing to work in our lives Throughout our life. We've been talking somewhat about this in focus. But each of us have a story. Each person has a story. And it's a unique story only to you. Of how you came to know Jesus. How he saved you. And what he is doing in your life since you got saved. And it's unique to you. You have a story that Jesus has established in you. 
And it says here, and it is confirmed. No one can change it. No one can do anything with it because it's your story. Jesus in you. Verse number seven. So that ye become so ye come behind in no gift. This says, so you are not short on any gift that God has given you. Anything God has done for you, it's in full. You understand this? Anything God has, has given to you, it is in full. You're not going to be short, okay? So if he's given you a spiritual gift, there is nothing lacking in that spiritual gift. You have everything you need for that spiritual gift. Has God given you an ability or a talent? You have everything you need to serve him with that talent or ability. He did not leave you short on anything. With grace, with mercy, he didn't leave you short. With salvation, he didn't leave you short. He gave you a full amount. He did not stop and say, Brandon's about half full of grace. I think we'll stop there and see how he works out from here. Maybe get another half later. No, <laughs> no. He said, no, we've got to give it to him in full. We've got to give it to him in full. No, nothing short. In verse number 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end. So here's this. Jesus is with you, establishing you until the very end. Praise the Lord for that. He's not going to leave me. He's with me to the end. So that, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus, if nothing else, this right here is some great riches because Jesus said, he's staying with me until the end. So when I stand before God, I am innocent. I am blameless. He said, look, we're going to go to the very end with this. So come on, Brandon, we're going to go. We're going to the very end. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to point you in the direction. I'm going to take you there. So when we stand before God, I'm going to say, look, he's innocent. I got his, I got his debt paid for. He's blameless. I got it covered, God. I got it covered, Father. He's innocent. He's with me and to the end. Now, if all these things aren't riches, I don't know what is. Because you talk about grace and you talk about speech and knowledge and the testament of Christ in me and, and getting a gift in full and, and, and being with me and being innocent. Those are all riches. There ain't that there is no value of money on earth that can actually take the place of these riches right here because these are heavenly riches. Jesus rescued us. Now, verse number nine, the opening, opening three words says, God is faithful. I want you to just take this as a great promise. These, we've seen these riches. We've seen that in everything God wants to enrich our lives. And it all comes from God. And He is faithful. What does that mean? He's not going to leave you hanging. These riches, you've got them. No one can take, you, take them from you. 
And when you need more riches, he is faithful to give you some more. He's not going to leave you out by yourself. He's going to be with you. He's going to take care of you. He is faithful, just like he said, unto the end. Now, in all this, there's one danger. Well, there's plenty of dangers, but the first one he mentions here, okay? I want you to look at verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Here's the danger. Division. Division. You know what Satan likes to do? He likes to divide. He likes to take God's people and separate them from God. He likes to take God's people and separate them from each other. He likes to take a good Christian home and separate the home. He likes to create division. And it's a dangerous thing. So beware. God wants to enrich our lives. And the Bible speaks there is one God. There is one Father. He is over all and in all. And He wants us to be unified. We are one body of Christ. We're not many bodies of Christ. We're not two bodies of Christ. We're one body in Christ. We're to be unified, not divided. So there's danger in division. Don't let that happen. First and foremost, to help with not being divided is, is to, to uh, do our best to stay unified. To, unity is key. We don't want division. Look down in verse number 13. Look at what Paul asked. Is Christ divided? If we're the body of Christ, is Christ divided? No, it's one body. Christ is not two bodies or ten bodies or hundred bodies. He's one. If he's one body, then we're to be unified as that one body. The danger in a church is division. People over here get maybe get upset with people over here or, or vice versa or, or there's something that's just a disagreement and, and, and we separate. That's wrong. There's danger in that. And, and the devil uses that to keep us from getting the riches God wants to give us. So what we have to do is decide that, hey, we're a church family. We're the body of Christ. God's not, Jesus isn't divided, so we aren't. And we come together. Yeah, you may sit over here and you may sit over here, but we are unified as one body. Whatever issues there may be, let's clear that out and get unified. Because when we're unified, God starts to enrich and God starts to work. And then people are going to notice. Family, friends are going to notice. The town's going to notice that, hey, this church is something different about him. We're unified and God is able to work greater in unity because he's one God and we're one body of Christ. He will enrich us and others will see that. 
what it's going to take. What is it going to take for God to enrich our lives? We've seen how God does it. We've seen a danger. It's going to take. Again, I mentioned it, but let me just let me let me just tell you a story. It's going to take us stepping back. If you remember back in 2016, in June of 2016, the state of West Virginia got some heavy rain. It rained hard for a long time. And I know because I was there. And the thing about West Virginia is you're either looking down into a valley or you're looking up at a mountain. There is no, there is no flat ground. If you find flat ground, you're not in West Virginia. It's just how it is. But I was there. I was 10 miles from the town of Raynell that got hit hard. That night, you could, we couldn't even get to the town of Raynell. The water was too bad, too high. Trucks couldn't even get over there. People were stuck in second stories of their homes or, or, or businesses or whatever. After the rain stopped the next day, I joined up with some guys and we went down and we went to see if we could help people just get out. We had a raft. We walked through town, water up to almost our waist. Debris floating everywhere. And this little town of Raynell, just so you kind of understand, there's a mountain and a mountain and down in here is a town of Raynell. Probably about 1,500, 2,000 people. The little Kroger there and all that. A few stores. And it is just all underwater. Watermarks hit as high as my head. We're taking this raft down through the streets. And we get to some. And we say, you need help? You want, you want a ride out of here? And they said, no, I'll wait. Are you sure? We're, I mean, we're right here. We can take you back to dry ground. No, I'll wait. Keep on going. We get some people and take them back. We go back to get more. No, I'll wait. And you wonder why. Here they are waiting to be rescued. And the boat comes, a raft comes, and they turn it down. Listen, folks, when God wants to send you some riches, don't turn it down. Take it. Use it. He's given you these riches because He wants to bless you, and then in turn, you can serve Him. You can use it for His honor and for His glory. So take those riches. He wants to enrich your life. He is going to enrich your life in everything that happens in your day, in your week. He is going to use something to enrich you. Take it and then turn around and use it for Him. Step aside. Don't be like, no, no, I got this. I'm good. Because we tend to act like that. Don't do that. Don't do it. No. You say, yeah, come on. I need it. Come here. Bring it here. I need it. 
Whatever, Lord, whatever it is you're giving out, I want it. Give me all I can handle. Let me take it. Let me take it. Listen, four things I want to show you. I want to tell you about. I, I do this uh, with focus. I'm going to do it in here. Because these, these, these visuals, these things, these points and steps help us to understand. Number one, to be enriched, we're going to have to listen. We're going to have to listen to what God wants to tell us. Listen, open up the book. Read something. If you've got to read a, a verse a day, that's perfectly fine. Start with one verse a day. It'll grow. But read something. Open up the book and read a little bit. If you've got a minute, read for a minute. That's fine. God can teach you in a minute. God can enrich your lives in a minute. He's a great God. He can do it. But you've got to open up the book and be ready to listen. Then, after you listen, you've got to trust. You've got to trust what He tells you. If you're listening and He speaks to you and He's teaching you something and, and, and He's trying to get to you, He's trying to enrich you, you've got to trust Him. Don't be, like, don't be like Gideon. Lord, you want me to do what? You're taking my arm away? You want me to do what? Or be like Jonah. You want me to go there? Are you nuts? I'm not going to that, people. they wicked. So what? It's what God told you to do, so do it. Because when Jonah finally went to the city, they turned around and got revival. It's not about me and what I want. It's about what God. Which brings me to the next point. I got ahead of myself. Obey. Listen to what God tells you because he wants to enrich you. So listen to him. Trust him. Trust that he is going to enrich your life. Trust he's going to give you what you need, what is best for you. He's going to give you things that are going to make your life so much better and then obey him. He tells you, listen, I gave you this. I gave you these words. Now use it to tell him or her about Jesus. Then do it. You know why he's telling you that? Because he's been working on their life about getting saved, but he needs somebody to tell them about him. I remember talking with a young man about Jesus. About getting into church. Actually, I'll tell you this. Went to Longhorn, I guess it was before COVID. So it's been, how many years ago is that? Two years? One year? How, how long ago was it? I'm, I'm, so, I'm so lost on time now. I don't know. I'm just like, most of them ask my wife, what do we got to do today? And she tells me. So I'm like, all right, that's what we'll do. I was at Longhorn. And we got in a conversation with our, our, our server there. And as the conversation led on, I told him I was a youth pastor, I told him I was a faith, and, and we got talking a little about church. And then I said, hey, why don't you come to church? God put that on my heart to say. So I obeyed him. And guess what he said? You know, I've been thinking about coming to church. What? Yeah. I've been thinking about coming to church. What's your address? When, when is church? And he came. You never know what God's doing on the other side. So when he, when, if we're listening and we're trusting, when he says to do something, just do it. Because we have no idea how he's already working in that situation. You may say, it's going to be too hard. I don't know what to say. Be like Moses. I don't know how to lead people. I'm no talker. So what? 
He's already working. He's going to make it easy for you. He's already got them ready to go to church. He just needs you to tell them where to go. How easy is that? It wasn't complicated. It's, I got his phone number, texted him the address, and he showed up. God was already working. It was all God. It wasn't nothing I'd done. It was all God. I'm trying to show you. It was all God enriched. He enriched that young man. He enriched my life. And we had a conversation. He ended up coming to church. You never know what God's going to do, so obey. And then when you're obeying, obeying, follow. Follow him to the end. Grab a hold of his hand and don't let go until we're in heaven with him. There is nothing greater than just following God because you never know how He's going to enrich your life. And if we are listening, trusting, obeying, and following Him, as He enriches us, those enrichments just come more and more. So follow, hold on tight, and don't let go. In everything, you are enriched by Him. Here's what I want you to understand. For us, it means that we're going to have to step aside. One last verse and I'll close. It is in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19 and 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where the moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break, in, break, break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. God's going to enrich your life. Where do you want your riches? Where do you want your riches? Here or there? Every Christian is enriched. But you choose how much. You choose how much. You choose, am I just going to get these basic ones or am I going to step back and let God bring on the riches? It's up to you. Would you stand with me? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God wants to enrich your life. You choose how much. Is there anybody here this morning that would raise their hand and say, I have never experienced any of these riches you've talked about. I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. If you're like that, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody in the building like that? Then by that testimony, everybody in here is trusting Christ. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I want to receive these riches that God wants to give me? Would you raise your hand? I've been putting myself in the way too long. I want to step back and let God rich my life. And just like I do with, the, with focus, with the teenagers, come talk to him. 
There's going to be some music. There's going to be some singing. But come on to the altar and tell God, God, I've been in the way too long. You're trying to enrich my life. You're trying to do things for me that I can't do for myself. Lord, I want to step aside. Help me to step aside. You can ask God to help you with that. I remember thinking in my brain, in my mind so, for so long that it was hard for me to ask things like, Lord, help me to step aside. Help me, uh, help me to be better. No, God wants to help with those things. He'll help you step aside if you ask Him. Lord, help me step aside so you can enrich my life. Come ask Him. Come talk to Him. Maybe you need to come thank Him for the riches you already have. You can do that. Whatever is on your heart, come talk to Jesus.